Hello everyone, I'm so grateful that you're here. The Brush is a lounge for women, a place where we share conversations about our brushes with love, life, and everything in between. I'm Monique Walker, welcome to The Brush. Our guest today is Jean Sparrow. Jean, how are you? I'm doing great, Monique. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Man, it's been some years, huh? Yes, yes. Uh, I can't even remember how long. Maybe 10? Yes, it's definitely been more than 10 uh, that we were um, you know, working on a project together with the astronaut, Dr. Bernard Harris, which I actually spoke to their office today uh, and told them that I'd be talking to you. So it's been a minute, but I'm excited that, um, that you have uh, decided to join us today. Why don't you take a moment and tell our audience a little bit about who you are and what you do? All right. Well, I am uh, a longtime media personality in Chicago and radio and television. I am now uh, speaking and consulting uh, through my company called The Spoken Bird. I'm also writing a book called Fearless Authenticity. And it's basically, in addition to the, the book and my work, is all about the things that I've learned along my journey uh, being in radio and television. And the core of that is uh, about how who you are, what you say, how you say it. Mm -hmm. determines how you have and find success. And mm -hmm. so I help people find their success through the way that they express themselves and whatever that means for them. Wow. That is amazing. That is awesome. Oh my God. I'm so happy to hear uh, about this new book project that you have. And so in our conversation today, Jean uh, is going to be sharing some of, uh, of that secret because it hasn't been really <laughs> We're going to talk a little bit about that. Wonderful. So right now you are also a radio announcer at V103 Chicago. Is that right? Yep. Yes. Uh, WVAZ, which is an iHeart radio station. And it's kind of like going back home for me because that, I started my career in radio at um, another station uh, that is now a sister station, WGCI, which was a you know, just a powerhouse of mm -hmm. uh, urban radio in in Chicago and still is, mm -hmm. and uh, as is V103. And mm -hmm. it's just, it's good to go back home. I'm working with almost everybody that I worked with back in the day when I originally um, started. In so, radio, wow. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty cool. That is. All right, and so let's start our questions. And the first one that I'm sure that all of our listeners will want to know is how you got started in this whole industry, in the entertainment industry, and in radio, and television, and everything that you have uh, been pursuing. How did you get started? 
I started when I was in high school. I had an opportunity to be on a local radio station in New Iberia, Louisiana, when <laughs> I was, I know, right? Uh, when I was um, on the speech and debate team. And my speech coach knew the one of the local programmers and he was looking for, he always liked to work with young people. Uh, there was a, a big college nearby that had a pretty big communications department. So he always liked to get people as they were, you know, kind of thinking about what they wanted to do in the future. So they'd stick around and, and do the part-time work and things. So um, it was a country Western station. <laughs> And I had a really good time. And that's when I got bitten by the bug. Yeah. Yeah. Is that when you knew that this would be what you would be doing for forever? Nope. Had no clue. Mm -hmm. I uh, thought it was a hobby because, you know, I was making federal minimum wage, which was more than what my friends were making at the McDonald's. Uh -huh. uh, and it was, it was the only job my mom would let me have because uh -huh. she felt like it was a skill set developer even mm -hmm. though any job I think any kid has is going to be like that. But she was really focused on um, me not getting addicted to the money, which can happen when you start working part-time when you're in school, you start right. focusing on the job and not on that. And she never wanted that for me. Right. And my dad was just kind of like, whatever, <laughs> you know, right. if you're having fun, I'm good. Mm -hmm. And um, so I no, I didn't figure out that it was a career until I was already in it. Wow. Wow. Okay. And so then for this to be the thing that you were born to do, um, you know, I, 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 I've listened to you on the radio and I've watched your career over many years. Um, you have this glow about yourself. Aww. So I know that I know that I know that you are doing what you love. And so, um, tell people how you have, um, how you how you found yourself in that place where you came kind of face to face with your essence and you just begin to thrive out of that because i mean even in radio and television i've, I've watched you do uh television interviews all kinds of things and so uh, i saw you were doing a voiceover yesterday but all of this um resonates with uh, with who you are you know what i'm saying it's not like you wake up and go to a job am i right it's more than no, a job. No, I don't. It's, it, I do, you know, it sounds so trite. I actually was talking to a friend about this yesterday. It's funny you bring it up. Mm -hmm. You know how they have that saying, if you do something you love, you never work a day in your life. Right. Um, the thing about that that's not, that, that's not quite true mm -hmm. is that there are, there are times when you do feel like what you're called to do is a job, where, where it does weigh on you. Um, mm -hmm. There are always things about the work you do that mm -hmm. you are called to do that mm -hmm. you are never really quite comfortable with mm -hmm. or that challenge you to the point where it becomes, you know, that, that stick, you know, that, that, mm -hmm. that prick in the side, you know, mm -hmm. sort of thing. But, yeah. um, but that's all, but that speaks to, I think, mission and how you work through your stuff when mm -hmm. you're working, right? Yeah. When you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. But right. I do believe that, you know, God and the universe lay out a path for you mm -hmm. and it's up to you to choose it or not. Some people do, some people don't. Mm -hmm. um, and when you're in a flow and it's going where it's supposed to go, you will work hard. 
but it will not be hard work. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's really good. So we can all take some of that uh, from you. It, it took me uh, a minute to know that I was on that path of walking in that fulfilled place in my life. Um, and, and that, I guess, kind of brings me to the next question. Um, where did, how old were you? I mean, were you just starting in radio or, or, or middle of radio? Where did the, 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 the concept for the book um, come from? Um, did it come because you knew that it was now time for you to talk about um, this place, this essence that you had found, or this, you know, this, this, a message that would go along with, with who you now believe that, that you were, that you are? Um, the, the discovery about the book has only come in the last, I'd say year, year and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was by the suggestion of an advisor. Mm -hmm. Um, I had never actually considered writing a book before. And let me tell you something, writing is not easy <laughs> and not I'm not quite fond of it, but mm -hmm. I feel like I have something to say. And I, I kind of needed to do for the work that I'm doing now. Um, but what I realized was, okay, when I went back to graduate school, when I went to get my master's, which was kind of a bucket list thing, I, yeah. I re that's when I had the idea for my business. And I had had other business ideas over time and not executed them because they weren't quite right or it wasn't the right time. Mm -hmm. And then I realized when I was in grad school that there was, that people had struggles with how they connect at work. Mm -hmm. in different ways, whether it's doing presentations, talking to the media, mm -hmm. uh, talking to their bosses, all these things. And my the other people in my cohort would always ask me questions when it came to presentation stuff. And I realized, oh, this is a business. And I realized then that it was a business that other people did. Mm -hmm. But my approach to it, which has developed as I've done more work, Mm -hmm. um, has led to the book. When I realized there were things that I learned that I wanted to share mm -hmm. that could help people who I otherwise wouldn't reach through the work that I'm doing now in the mm -hmm. consulting work, whether it's in, you know, corporate spaces, one-on-one -on -one, or in the teaching that I do at Northwestern. Mm -hmm. um, so I realized I was starting to say things that were resonating with people yeah. in ways that were deeper than I could have imagined. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, I have something to say. Before mm -hmm. that, I don't know that I, I thought I had anything to say other than, you know, the day-to-day -day kind of things that I've always shared through broadcast. Mm -hmm. um, but these were kind of deeper truths for me. And I yeah. think, you know, on the, on the cusp of 50, I finally feel like I have <laughs> learned something mm -hmm. that yeah. is worthy of sharing. Absolutely. So that's something that women can take away from this conversation is that, even though you've had a successful career or you have a successful career, we are always uh, in a position to expand and to uh, have, you know, uh, capacity in what we do. And so what you're saying is basically that at this point in your life, you've discovered that there's some wisdom in you that you want to uh, share. And now you can position yourself as an authority. So that's something else that uh, that people can do um, even in a, a career um, you know, where they're already successful to expand themselves. That's really, really awesome. Has anyone in the industry um, influenced your path? Have there been any, any, any women in particular that you've looked up to um, that have helped to, um, you know, navigate your path? 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been influenced by women and men and been helped by men, women and men in the industry. Um, I have to say that first and foremost, my mother yeah. is my guiding light or mm-hmm. she has been not on, has not been on this planet in, 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 in bodily form in 22 years, <laughs> but, but she is still my guiding light. The things that I learned from my mother mm-hmm. um, throughout my life still are my North star. Those mm-hmm. things are still part of how I direct my path. Um, mm-hmm. My mother was a musician, um, a choral director mm-hmm. and um, voice coach and teacher. Wow. And a lot of what I teach other people in a very practical sense, I actually learned from my mother because it's what she did to me. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime I had a poem to do for Easter Sunday at church or yep. something I had to do, the, the performance basics that I learned that I still use today that I use mm-hmm. in my coaching, I learned from my mom. So that's first and foremost. Um, mm-hmm. The women in the industry here who uh, influenced and have helped me a lot, two women in particular, LaDonna mm-hmm. Tittle, who uh, had the nickname of Tittle in the Middle. Mm. And Mary, Mary D. Mm-hmm. Um, both of them, you know, Tittle, I think, taught me. She was so funny because she had such a sense of humor about the business. She was like, honey, you better have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, and work them all at the same time. She was like, one of them can be your best thing and what have you. Mm-hmm. And, and Tittle is a great actress. You'll know her from The Shy. Mm-hmm. She uh, she has a role on the shy and you've seen her in different movies and things like that. And she's always been always been doing different things. Mary D. Uh, mm-hmm. Similarly, um, she's a classic in Chicago television. She started her mm-hmm. career in radio and transitioned yeah. into television. And mm-hmm. so, you know, she when I started in TV from radio, she gave me a lot of really good practical advice mm-hmm. and would always drop gems on me exactly when I, I would just run into her and she was like, let me tell you something, Jean. And mm-hmm. then it would be boom, 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 boom. And when you pay attention to the things that people tell you, those mm-hmm. are the things that help you break through. Um, mm-hmm. Also super instrumental in my career uh, were men, mm-hmm. uh, Doug Banks. Mm-hmm. Um, I was his traffic person and he was really instrumental in teaching me um, just about the power, I think, of radio yeah. and what happens when you really connect with your audience and how to do that and how to play and have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Um, El- Elroy Smith uh, was my program director through all my time at, at WGCI and he, mm-hmm. he's a genius. When mm-hmm. it comes to developing personality and talent, he taught me how to become my my best critic. And yeah. when I, I say best, because I think a lot of times we think critics are the worst thing, but when you can make yourself better, there's yeah. so much power in that because you can look at yourself and say, what could I have done better here? And then it doesn't become about what you did badly. It's mm-hmm. about how you use what you have. Right. So those are my those are my influences. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. And so you're basically telling us that if we can analyze ourselves, we're offering ourselves opportunity to grow. 
Yep. And that's what I do with my clients. Most of my work is based on, that's why I say I learned things throughout my my path that Mm -hmm. now help people. And I think that those of us who are artists and performers have Mm -hmm. access to this kind of information and use it in a way, and it becomes a habit in a way that it doesn't for other people. Mm -hmm. And and in other industries, you still need to get better to do things. And it's harder and harder to do that because people just don't have time for it. You know, people aren't mentoring the way they used to, or if they are, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's different. Right. And so if you can keep finding ways to be excellent mm-hmm. and to push yourself forward, because you never get there. Everybody thinks that there is a place. Right. You never get there. Oh. If you're, if you think you've gotten there, honey, you've already gotten behind. That's true. That's true. And you're going to see other people passing you up. I love that because I think we, we evolve every day. We, we, uh, we are new every day, something else yep. learns something more to be something more to give. Um, I, I think you're exactly, um, you're exactly right. Um, the next question that I have, I guess we can kind of move into this celebrity thing and talk a little bit about people's endless fascination with celebrity. Everybody thinks that, uh, you know, and, and I, I have a background in radio too. I have a background in television and I work with these people a lot. And when I see the inside of their lives, that's totally different from what people see when they finally hit the stage. They're no different from we, from, from anyone else. And so let's talk about the, some of the myths about, um, about celebrity. Um, what, what can you share? Um, people think it's easy. It's not. Um, what can I share? I mean, Oh God, from, from years of, of interviewing people, Mm-hmm. And, um, and from that perspective, I think the biggest thing about celebrity that most folks that don't interact with it on a regular basis don't realize mm-hmm. is, is not just that celebrities are regular people too. It's that we've aff- accorded them, um, a certain amount of wisdom that they may or may not have simply mm-hmm. based on the fact that they do something that's gotten them attention. Right, right, right. And so with the onset of social media now, we see even, we have access to even more uh, mm-hmm. of what's going on in celebrity. And um, it is, is, is influencing at an even higher rate. I mean, we're both in our fifties. We came up around a time when the only time we saw a celebrity was on television, but now you can en- engage them right onto all of these sat- uh, social media platforms. How do you think that this is affecting uh, society and, and what do you see um, for the future? I think that, you know, like everything, there's a good and a bad side to it. I know that people uh, of our generation, Gen Xers, in particular, even though we created the internet, I think we regret it sometimes mm-hmm. and we, we, we get cynical about it. Here, here's what I think. I think that in a lot of ways, social media has brought us closer together and has made the world a little bit smaller yeah. uh, in, in, in so far as we can communicate with people very easily all around the world. Um, and technology in general has done that. Social media has has made it accessible to 
far, far many more people. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, however, especially for digital natives, especially for our younger people, um, yeah. your Gen Zs, it has inserted a mediator into all communication. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something they don't realize how it affects. Like for us, for our generation, for, mm -hmm. for Gen Xers, so, you know, you're 40 to 50 somethings, mm -hmm. um, our way of interacting with people through media was over the phone, listening yeah. to the radio, listening to television. Mm -hmm. Then as, you know, as different generations have come along, social media has become much more a part of their, their reality. But by and large, our generation had to deal with each other face to face. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And I think what's happening now is that even though we have widened our ability to interact, mm -hmm. we've made it much more shallow. Right. And, and we've also, we also think that we have to communicate through other means mm -hmm. via text first or via phone first before we ever meet in person. And so interpersonal communication, I think is suffering to a certain degree. I see it in a lot of my younger students mm -hmm. uh, in the graduate program where I teach, mm -hmm. where their hesitation to speak in public yeah. um, is reinforced by their ability to use social media. Mm -hmm. It's reinforced by the way education does not, like when we were kids, yeah. everybody, no matter how shy you are, mm -hmm. no matter what it was, you had to get up in front of class and tell a speech at some point in time, in some class, just about every year you were in class, you had, you couldn't true. escape it. That's true. And what I'm, and what I'm finding now is that young people are kind of behind the eight ball when it comes to that, unless they're self-choosing to become performers. If that's in them, that's in mm -hmm. them. But mm -hmm. every other person can avoid that person-to-person -person contact and public speaking and other things and interpersonal relationships in mm -hmm. ways that actually build the depth that you need to have the success that you want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's where the downside is to me. It is. And, you know, um, I teach a program similar um, where we teach body language, how to read body language, how to have that um, fertile listening and and um, and, you know, all of these skills that that, you know, in a close knit family, um, you 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 did these kinds of things and we don't uh, anymore. I, I've got, you know, children and, and grandchildren who are very comfortable just going in their room, closing their doors and texting me in the next room and saying, you know, whatever it is that they want. We, we don't do that all the time, but I've seen them resort to that, but there is no feeling, there is no, um, there is no uh, body language. There's no expression in a text message. You're really on the receiving end of that left to interpret that the way that you uh, desire to interpret it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I've messed that one up. <laughs> yeah. You know, and even in an email, uh, it's a disconnect. Um, and so that is, is, is a powerful piece on, uh, on social media. And we do see a lot of, uh, a sense of false self that's sitting out there because if you could really get into the lives of a lot of people, it's nothing like what you see on, um, you know, on social media. What do you see mm -hmm. for the future? You think there's hope? Oh gosh, yes, absolutely. We're human <laughs> beings. 
we are human beings. There's always hope, always. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is that things change. And I think that often we believe um, we are always scared of change. And so yeah. we think when things are moving forward that mm-hmm. it's somehow taking us out of the equation. Mm-hmm. We are never going to be out of the equation. We just have to figure out how to adapt to it, how to make it meaningful, how to use it as opposed to it using us, how to um, still remain connected. Mm-hmm. And it's a problem that all of us have. Uh, you know, I right. recently had had a whole breakdown in a relationship because mm-hmm. of some text messages, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not immune to it either, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's about being aware and learning, you know, um, one of some of my friends were having a conversation on social about, um, how we learn and unlearn toxic behaviors and stuff. And I was like, you know what, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. We have to get to the point where we love each other. Mm-hmm. Call, each, call, call each other out in love. And I'm not talking about call out culture. I'm talking about people we care about yeah. that we're connected to, mm-hmm. that we hold each other accountable mm-hmm. and that we, and, and that we learn from our own mistakes, that we are willing to at least look at how we have failed too, not just yeah. how the other person has failed. And I think that as long as we are willing to apologize, mm-hmm. accept those apologies, mm-hmm. connect with other human beings and be willing to do that, mm-hmm. then the future is fine. Right. And I think that there will be, always be enough of us that are willing to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not going to be easy mm-hmm. as things change. Yeah. Uh, it has not been easy. But mm-hmm. guess what? It never has. And people had these same fears when Alexander Graham Bell invented the telephone. Right. This is true. Vulnerability has been an issue for us since the beginning of time. You know, when I first uh, was taught that first um, the, the, the creation story in the book of Genesis, you know, I used to think, oh, wow. You know, poor things, Adam and Eve got it all wrong and, you know, and and they couldn't talk to God about what was really happening with them. And the older that I have gotten and the more I've sat with that, uh, that whole, the whole story, it was, it's vulnerability. We don't, we suppress what we can't, what we are not comfortable with. You know what I'm saying? And then we try to pack it away in the brain and pack it away in our souls. And ultimately it comes out as um, some form of sickness or some form of disease. It hurts us or retaliation or resentment and years and years of it. And so um, social media has, I think, put more opportunity out there for us to see that this has been the problem. Um, but, you know, it doesn't it doesn't solve the problem. We still have a lot of work to do to get to the place where we can have, like you said, those fertile conversations where there's refinement. We don't know how to refine each other. And I think slavery taught us to just, you know, beat them and keep going. That's how you learn, you know, spank them and Mm -hmm. keep going. But if we don't know, I mean, it's not easy, Gene, to to have that conversation, to say, I'm sorry, to accept responsibility for something that has gone terribly wrong in your life. Why? You know, we don't do that. That's a hard thing to do for some people. And for some families, it's very tough. It's very hard to do, you know. Agreed. Uh, 
I, I used to talk about vulnerability all the time. And then Brene Brown comes on the scene and she starts talking about vulnerability. And then it's like, oh, okay. So now everybody wants to talk. It's okay to talk about vulnerability. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. And speaking of vulnerability, you mentioned that you have uh, a, a company or program now called The Spoken Bird. Tell us a little bit about what The Spoken Bird is all about. Well, you know what? That is uh, kind of just the business name that's behind Fearless Authenticity and the coaching and all of that. So all of that is under kind of one umbrella. Um, mm-hmm. One of my friends gave me that name for uh, my company and I loved it. And love and it. that's where that's, yeah, that's the, the umbrella under which I do all of my coaching and teaching mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. speaking. And um, so it's related to the Fearless Authenticity brand. It's all this, it's all the same stuff. And uh, it's all the work, but it plays on my name, which nobody ever thinks is real, but it is indeed. My family name is Pharaoh and um, I get all the birdie jokes and all that other stuff. So it's a play on that. And the fact that I always speak yeah, uh, and that is, that's my core mission in life is to, to say things. Yeah. You know, all of your life, words have been so important to you, um, you know, as a radio announcer or even television um, host or an an announcer, words have been so important. You are in charge of telling stories and uplifting people every single day. How, How rewarding has that been to you to know that you are, you know, going into the homes of listeners all over and 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 it's part of your job to make sure that they can you know be encouraged and be inspired and get up and just get out the door to a new tune you know what does that mean to you the power of words i oh wow that's that's so core to who i am mm-hmm. um and and yet and still I, I still mess up and i and and sometimes you don't even realize what it means to people until they tell you later because the thing about broadcast is that yeah. you put out ideas, especially when I started in it, you put out ideas, you don't necessarily get it back until later. There's no immediate gratification because there's a barrier there. Yeah. You know, in radio, people can call you and tell you stuff like the phones light up, you know, you did something. It mm-hmm. could be good. It could be bad, but they, but you know, you did something in television less. So now that social media has come into play, there's mm-hmm. more access. And, and so people tell you things much reactive, uh, much more quickly Um, but there is nothing better than sharing something, whether it's your story or somebody else's, um, or just being somebody's company. Like that's kind of where this all started for me is that I'm pretty good company. You know, that's Mm -hmm. the kind of family Mm -hmm. I come from. We tell stories, we entertain each other. And Mm -hmm. that's how I think I got into this really was, the way I related in my family on both sides of my family mm-hmm. and in my core family unit was mm-hmm. all about how we talk to each other yeah. and try to continue. And so it means everything to me that people invite me into their homes, especially all the years that I've done morning television. That's the most intimate time of the day. Right. I spend time with families when they're getting ready for school, when you're brushing your kid's teeth, blowing their mm-hmm. nose, mm-hmm. making sure that they, you know, had their breakfast and they're getting on the bus or you're taking them to work like that being a part of that part of people's lives Mm -hmm. everything yeah yeah that's 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 something that I noticed about you years ago you you connect immediately there's something about you that just brings 
um, brings that uh, that desire to be around uh, you and to Thank hear you. what you have to say. That is so important. And that's something too that people can take. If that's something you want to pursue, connection is going to be a big part of, of your job. You've got to want to authentically, transparent, transparently, and truly connect with people. You got to be who you authentically are to be able uh, to be able to do that. And you've done it so well and so and out Thank of so, so much pureness you know you can see that if if it, if, if you don't know nothing else about Jean, you know Jean is telling you her truth regardless of whether you like it or not it's the truth it is who she is the person that you meet on the radio station is the same person that you meet when you go to the grocery store she doesn't change so that's really cool so um you had a big scare recently a health scare can we talk a little bit about what that what happened with that Absolutely. So this summer I had a little cancer scare. I've had fibroids. I, I had a uh, endometriosis bout several years ago. So I've had, you know, issues in, 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 in the gyne region for a while, mm -hmm. off and on at, at different levels. And this summer, um, you know, as, as I'm supposed to be going into menopause, which is what I thought was happening. Uh -huh. um, I go to my doctor and she's like, yeah, this isn't menopause. She mm. looks at my, my, my estrogen numbers were like way high and everything. She was like, no, uh, uh, something's not right here. And so mm. she sends me in to get some further testing or what have you. My endometrium had thickened. They were scared that they were concerned that it was cancer. I had to have a biopsy, which freaked me out. But you know, God works in, in, in mysterious and wonderful ways. Right. Uh, it happened so fast. I didn't have time to focus on it too much. Yeah. And the, the biopsy came back benign, but because my my hormone levels were off and all these other things, I was still at a risk mm -hmm. for cancer plus my past history. So my doctor recommended a full hysterectomy, which was something that I knew had been on the table for a while because of the fibroids and you know all those other things. So my story is not um, any different than half of my friends who've had mm -hmm. to have hysterectomies prior to uh, menopause. Yeah. It was, um, yeah, but when you face it yourself, it's, mm -hmm. it's your journey. Yeah. And, um, so back in October, I ended up having a hysterectomy and, um, and I'm good now, you yeah. know, I feel better. Um, I'm glad I did it. Mm -hmm. Um, it was, it has been an interesting healing journey for me this whole year yeah. because at the same time, you know, I've made the connection between that disease, mm -hmm. um, and what was going on there and the level of self-care I wasn't giving myself, yes. uh, as I took care of my dad who, and have been taking care of my dad who has dementia and I've been doing it from a long distance with mm -hmm. the help of amazingly generous family and friends. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you realize how life changes you mm -hmm. and how you sacrifice yourself um, for others, yeah. forgetting to put your oxygen mask on first to take care of yourself. And then eventually you have to stop down because your body requires it mm -hmm. and face all the things that you've been putting to the side in, in, in deference to the, the, the crisis. Mm -hmm. And so this year has been transformative for me. Mm -hmm. It has been healing for me. Mm -hmm. It has been a wake up call. Um, I am still, I am a different person in a lot of ways yeah. than, than I was this time last year. 
Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I think for the better, mm-hmm. it has changed me. Um, and as I grow at this point in my life, you always think you're going to be settled and mm-hmm. all these things. And I'm even less settled than I've ever been. And I'm pretty I'm pretty unsettled as a human being in general. Doesn't God have a way of doing that? Every time you think, okay, I got this thing figured out. I'm in a good place. Let's get on cruise control here. And then boom, yeah. something happens and another brush with life with something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm grateful for it all. If If yeah. I could say anything to anyone, welcome every little bit of anytime pain comes up in your life, whether it's in your body, your heart or your spirit, face it because when you put it off you're just putting off the lesson that that pain is here to teach you you Mm -hmm. will always heal trust that you will always heal and in the healing is the lesson and you can move on to the next one and grow and change and discover yeah that's true and the beauty of that is that's where these new and powerful stories come from that we end up uh, writing books about or sharing, through, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, publishing journals or whatever it is that we desire uh, to do. But these stories are in us to be told so that someone else can uh, be inspired by them, be encouraged by them um, and, and motivated uh, by them. And so I'm truly happy that you've made the decision to uh, write this book. I love the title. Uh, why don't you share a little bit about that? Tell our audience what's that, what's coming, when is it coming and all of the excitement of that, the thrill of it. So my goal is to have it out this fall. Uh-huh. The goal is to have it out this fall. Um, I struggled with it. And I think part of the reason why I struggled with it last year was because I had to go through what I'm going through now to be able to share everything I need to. And I had to learn some other lessons. Mm-hmm. Fearless authenticity is about everything that, that we've talked about today. This idea of bringing your full self to everything you do, because yeah. that is the thing that, that nobody else has. It mm-hmm. is your true differentiating factor. It is also um, the way you bring value into the world and also perhaps even change it because if you are selling yourself short by keeping things about yourself in the background or trying to fit a mold or trying to do what you should do as opposed to what you're supposed to do um, and meant to do, then you are robbing the world of the gifts that you are supposed to be sharing with them. And there's power in that. Yes. Wow. And there's also money in that. Let's keep it real. Mama got to eat. Mama got to eat. And so if you're in corporate America trying to be like everybody else, guess what? That makes you even more expendable. And that's something Mm -hmm. I've learned from this business. It's like the the more you, you are, the the more valuable you are. And, And so... So it's about that. But the, the subtitle to the book is Insider Secrets to Lead Better, Sell More and Speak Sensationally, because I have found that those three areas are the areas where speaking and, and talking and communicating are the most impactful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I find with a lot of my clients is that they take what I teach them and you, they use it the way they use it. And, and as long as you're using it for good, I'm happy. <laughs> if you use it for bad, then I'm going to be upset. But I, there's yeah. nothing I can do once I've given you you know, shared with you what I can share. Right. But I think that um, there are places that we get hung up because we're not being, mm-hmm. uh, bringing everything that we are mm-hmm. to the table. 
And yeah. that's really what I want people to learn from any of the work that I do, that when when you show up mm-hmm. as your true self or, or some version of it, because I understand that all of who you are may not be appropriate for everybody at all times, understood. Yeah. Yeah, But when you bring the experiences that you are, all the different identities that you are to the mm-hmm. table and what that means and how that impacts how you see things, because you can have your knowledge, you can have your education, but it's how you experience those two things and how you interact with other people that makes you special. And the more you do that, the better everything comes out. So I'm, I'm, you know, in the book, that's, I'm talking about how to find your value because so many of us don't know what that is, how to express, how to express your value, Mm -hmm. then how to use it in different situations, how you take these little steps. And I'm trying to make there a, a big balance between my experience and the stories I have to share, and then some really actionable things that people can do, questions they can ask themselves, uh, practices that they can start using that I use in my own work to Mm -hmm. get to where I need to be and perform consistently. Wow. Wow. We've got about a minute and 30 seconds left and we are going to do a part two. Is that correct? (laughs) Yes. I, I, from what I understand, that's what we're doing. Yes, we're going to do a part two. So I'm going to go ahead and close this segment out. And when we come back, Jean Sparrow is going to be our guest once again. And this time we're going to talk about turning 50 and being so relevant in the industry and where the industry, the entertainment industry is going. Jean Sparrow is our guest today, folks. Tune in. Uh, She's coming back. I'm Monique Walker. I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining The Brush, where we talk about our brushes with love, life, and everything in between.